This is Think Out Loud on OPB. I'm Dave Miller. We end today with a conversation about America's evolving gun culture, the reasons people buy guns, and the ways gun sellers market them. Amy Huff and Michelle Barnhart are both associate professors of marketing in Oregon State University's College of Business. They've spent years studying these issues, and they say that there have been some major shifts over the last few decades. Their latest research focuses on a new group helping to target potential gun buyers, social media influencers. Michelle Barnhart and Amy Huff, welcome to Think Out Loud. Thanks, Dave. We're happy to be here. Happy to be here, Dave. So, Michelle, first, researchers have identified three overlapping but, I guess, distinct subcultures of American gun owners. What's the first one chronologically? So the first one that was identified is really a recreational uh, subculture of gun owners. And with that subculture, their focus is on recreational activities like hunting or uh, target shooting. Um, And they tend to be pretty safety focused in terms of thinking about what gun owners need to know about guns. Hmm. Amy, what about the second? So the second emerged probably in the the 80s and 90s and we certainly see it as a is a very distinct and prominent subculture now and that is related to self-protection or armed self-defense and that typically involves um, keeping and sometimes carrying a handgun for the purpose of protecting oneself and others from from threats um, in our research we have noted that um, handgun owners, do think about gun safety. Um, they they rehearse routines in their heads. They practice and they think about um, the different risks that come with handgun ownership, how to mitigate those risks. And um, it's just generally a very different kind of way of thinking about and using guns compared to the uh, recreation subculture. And potentially also a different kind of gun that would be the focus, in this case, handguns, say, as opposed to a hunting rifle. Yes, that's right. And handguns, of course, can be concealed. And many people who practice um, armed self-defense or armed protection do carry concealed handguns um, on their person, in their purse, in a holster, and so on. Michelle, what about the, the third subculture? Yeah, so the third was identified much more recently um, within the last uh, 10 years or so. And it is a subculture that's focused on endorsing constitutional right to bear arms um, and really valorizing individual gun ownership. So we refer to this as the the 2A or Second Amendment uh, gun subculture. So it's much more focused on a belief system as opposed to activities like hunting or like carrying a gun for self-defense. Are there guns particular models or styles that are more associated with this political or or almost philosophical subculture? So, yes, Dave, based on what we've seen, the AR-15 or what uh, some groups would call assault-style rifles, other groups would call modern sporting rifles, have become the iconic gun of the Second Amendment subculture. So definitely a symbolic gun in relation to that set of beliefs. How does marketing um, connect to these three different subcultures? I mean, I guess one thing I'm wondering is uh, how much marketing these days is directly, is seemingly intended to uh, entice 
people who are interested in hunting in particular, as opposed to self-defense or uh, you know, a particular understanding of the Second Amendment? So we've actually done some research on advertising over the last 20 years in um, uh, a popular magazine that you can buy on the on the shelf in the grocery store. So aimed at the general public. And um, there are distinct trends that you can see over time where the number of advertisements for hunting rifles and shotguns, which would be used for the recreational subculture, have gone down, uh, which is consistent with the interest level of the general public in those activities, which has also gone down. Um, meanwhile, handguns, which would be concealable and used for generally used for self-defense, ads for those are much more prevalent now than ads for uh, shotguns and rifles. And then the the right there has been a rise also in the number of ads for assault-style rifles or, or uh, modern sporting rifles but not as much as handguns. Still, handgun ads are the most prevalent. Amy, how does the, the, uh, the political or philosophical underpinnings of, of, that, of that third subculture, how does that make its way into advertising messages? That's a great question, Dave. Um, and so let me back up here and just point out something that's sort of unusual about gun advertising in the US. So because guns can be construed as threatening and violent or expressly emblematic of a political ideology like um, the, the 2A ideology or the Second Amendment ideology that Michelle mentioned, most mainstream media companies have voluntarily enacted policies within the last decade to restrict gun advertising. So what this means is that the main uh, sort of conventional media channels for advertising of other consumer products are not available to gun manufacturers. For example, um, Comcast and Time Warner have um, initiated bans on firearms in 2013. Um, other major television broadcasters like ESPN and Fox and CBS do not accept advertisements for firearms or ammunition. And major digital and social media platforms like Google, Facebook, YouTube, um, Twitter, they prohibit ads for firearms and ammunition. So what that means it, for gun manufacturers is that they really have to get, um, in some ways, get creative with their advertising. And in other ways, it means they need to rely on more traditional um, channels like print advertisements. So we do see that print advertisements and gun shows, uh, so going to a, a trade show or consumer show, if you will, uh, remain the dominant channels for gun manufacturers to display their advertisements and to promote their products. If it, I, yeah. I want to make sure that I understand this because it seems like one of the key words you use there is voluntarily. So this is different from, say, cigarette advertising, which doesn't happen on, on broadcast television. You're saying there's no reason under federal law that guns can't be advertised, but these companies are making a decision that, that they will not allow it themselves. That's right. Hmm. Yes. So it is surprising because it does feel like um, to most people that we talk to, it feels like guns should be um, subject to the same type of regulation as cigarettes, as you noted, or as recreational cannabis, um, but they're not. Um, we see that this mainstream media companies have voluntarily enacted those um, those policies. So to get to the, the messaging itself, and it's I mean, it's it's I guess it's it's worth I understand why you started with 
where these messages can even be seen because because the the places where they can be seen probably has um, it does connect with the messaging itself. But how might a, a mainstream gun manufacturer um, sell their their weapons these days um, with a nod towards the Second Amendment? So <clears throat> this is Michelle. Um, I'll I'll jump in here. One of we've been, in in the research that I mentioned before. One of the ads that we've seen is for a uh, an AR fifteen style weapon, which um, is the emblematic one of the Second Amendment ideology. And the tagline was "Defend your legacy." Hmm. So you can see that that kind of gives a nod to um, the Second Amendment um, as a as a important part of American heritage. And it also leaves open the idea that this could be used for self-defense in the sense of defending perhaps your family as your legacy. So you see more kind of gentle nods to that in the advertising coming from the manufacturers. You see much more deliberate politicization of the messaging among gunfluencers or, or influencers on social media who are not directly working for the manufacturers, but they are still promoting these types of messages. Hmm. I just want to remind folks, if you're just tuning in, we're talking right now about gun marketing. Our guests are Amy Huff and Michelle Barnhart. They're both associate professors of marketing in OSU's College of Business. Maybe this is an impossible question to definitively answer when we're talking about marketing in any context. But I'm wondering about cause and effect. I'm wondering if you can say if the marketing or advertising of guns has changed the way that gun owners or prospective gun owners think about firearms, or if it's just a sign of of the market capitalizing, responding to existing shifts. That's a great question. And you did identify the two the two sort of functions that advertising has in society. So advertising is sort of a mirror or a reflection of social values of things that people want to do and feel and experience and advertising directs or gently kind of influences um, the ways that people think and feel about products. Um, I think when we're talking about gun advertising, the, the ads that we see from gun manufacturers, and again, those gun manufacturers predominantly have to rely on print media in, in magazines and in, you know, using, going to trade shows and gun shows and so on to, to display their, to display their products. Those channels for advertising and promoting the products tend to be much less political and um, less sort of overtly ideological in, in the messaging and sort of the, the advertising framing. Um, but running alongside all of this is um, something that Michelle and I have just studied uh, recently, and that is the existence of social media influencers, or in this case, gunfluencers, who, when we're talking about guns, occupy this really powerful space um, to shape the way that consumers think about guns, um, to reflect the the social values that we kind of ascribe to guns and gun culture. And so these individuals, again, these gunfluencers who are professional, independent contract uh, content creators that work on social media platforms, have this really outsized role in 
promoting guns and in stitching together um, specific types of guns, like a modern sporting rifle, with a very specific ideology, like the the Second Amendment um, or 2A ideology. How do you Um, measure the influence of these influencers? Well, one thing we can look at is um, the the size of their following. Um, so we think generally think about macro influencers as um, independent um, influencers, again, working on these social media platforms that have a following of more than 100,000 people. And then there are a multitude of engagement metrics that um, that you could look at to determine the different ways of different effects that those influencers have. You can look at the number of times their content is liked, shared, um, followed, commented on, the amount of discussion um, on their posts and so on. Um, It's really hard to tease apart or to specifically identify the the impact that those gunfluencers have had on um, gun sales. But we do know that about one in 20 Americans now owns a assault style rifle um, and about one in five gun owners owns an assault style rifle. We know that manufacturing of this style of rifle has increased dramatically since the end of the assault weapons ban, the federal ban that ended in 2004. So right around then, um, assault style rifles uh, accounted for about 2% of all guns manufactured in the US. And in 2020, uh, that same style of gun accounts for about 25% of guns manufactured in the US. Mm. So we can see this, dramatic shift in consumer interest in this style of guns that, again, are expressly emblematic of this Second Amendment ideology. We know that more of them are being manufactured. Um, they they are subject to more sort of media attention, investigative reporting, research, and so on. I want to turn to gender um, because it's, it's really fascinating. Uh, I'm, I'm curious, Michelle, first, what themes you see in either advertising or among gunfluencers, as you call them, in terms of advertising, say, that's directed specifically at men? Hmm, That's interesting. So we, you definitely see some masculine themes um, in the advertising that's directed towards men. So uh, messages that would indicate that owning a gun or having a gun is something that helps to kind of prove that you are a man. Um, I saw one ad that states, consider your man card reissued. Yes. Yeah. That's a, a, a pretty notorious ad now um, that uh, that came up after the uh, Newtown shooting. Um, so, yeah, we, we do see some masculine themes. Um, we see a lot of imagery and ads directed towards men that are intended to be aspirational in the sense that it shows professionals using those types of weapons. So a lot of military imagery or uh, law enforcement imagery, uh, which would in, would hopefully inspire that the intent we believe is to uh, inspire men who are not in those professions to buy those types of guns to sort of feel like they have a kinship with that uh, professional type of use. Hmm. Um, be, be like a macho man, be like a warrior, be like um, a police officer or uh, or an infantryman. Exactly. Yeah. And it's it's interesting because the other thing that you see 
heralded about uh, these types of guns among the communities who really like them is their customizability and their kind of ease of use. And so it's it's almost the message is you can use the gun that the professionals use and you don't have to be a professional. You they're easy enough to use that you you don't have to, you know, have all of the training and stuff that you would have if you went through a military program. What about marketing that is explicitly directed towards women? So we actually have a a study that we're just wrapping up right now that explicitly looks at um, how armed women are depicted in ads and the ways that advertising can try to appeal to to women gun owners. And what we found is that in the last, just in the last probably five years, there's been a shift from sort of conveying the ads conveying ideas of women's empowerment and sort of these emotional benefits for women who might want to um, carry a gun or keep a handgun for self-defense. These ads for women are predominantly um, handgun ads. And we've seen the shift towards, um, again, in shifting away from an emotional kind of benefit to women um, to a much more practical benefit, a much more serious, um, pragmatic benefit to owning a handgun. We see the ads depicting women training at gun ranges, um, wearing eye and ear protection. The ads often now depict women not smiling. They're really focused and very serious. And what we think these ads are doing is really communicating to prospective and current women gun owners that they can be very capable, proficient gun owners and and able to use guns effectively and safely in a defensive situation. Michelle Barnhart and Amy Huff, thanks very much. Thank you, Dave. Thanks, Dave. Amy Huff and Michelle Barnhart are associate professors of marketing at Oregon State University's College of Business. Tomorrow on the show, tooth enamel is the strongest substance in the human body, protecting our sensitive lower layers of our teeth. Once it wears away, we can't regrow it. But new research from the University of Washington could eventually change that. We'll hear about the study and what it might mean for dental patients in the future. If you don't want to miss any of our shows, you can listen on NPR's app, on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you like to get your podcasts. Our nightly rebroadcast is at 8 p.m. Thanks very much for tuning in to Think Out Loud on OPB and KLCC. I'm Dave Miller. We'll be back tomorrow. Think Out Loud is supported by Steve and Jan Oliva, the Rose E. Tucker Charitable Trust, Ray and Marilyn Johnson, and the Susan Hammer Fund of the Oregon Community Foundation.